everybody, welcome to episode 59 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with Jimmy DeResta. Hello, everybody. And David Picciuto. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> What's going on? Just hanging out. Hanging out. Recording a podcast. Trying to. It's taking us a while to get started. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, Jimmy does this little uh, count at the beginning of each one. <laughs> you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's, <laughs> but it's crazy fun. I think every time I'm supposed think, to click yeah. record on the count of three, and every time Bob says three, I hit record. I can't help myself. <laughs> when he says on the count of three, and because he said the word three, I hit record. Yeah, I'm He's a troublemaker always. Yeah. So, Bob, what are you working on? Oh, I have to go first, huh? <laughs> ah, yeah. You like that? Yeah, not really, but I'll go first. Um, finishing up the video for the music project that I mentioned last week, which I'm still not going to talk about. Um, but. We were working on the video for that today. And then um, currently working on a mute switch for next week's video. Um, it's a mute switch for a microphone. So basically from doing this show, I realized that we all have to like, you know, go on screen and click the little microphone button to, when we need to cough. And so now I'm going to have a foot switch that I can just press down, cough, and then let go. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. What are you going to be doing with your hands while you're stepping on the mute button? Like this, just waving them around, <laughs> letting everybody know I'm coughing. Hey, everybody, I'm going to cough. You can't hear it, but it's going to happen. Yeah, so it's a, actually a really simple. Um, it's just a switch and, you know, cutting an audio signal. Um, it's actually grounding it out. But so I decided to make it a little box out of hardwood and it's top and bottom or aluminum. And, you know, just tried to do something different with the, the container because that's really all it is, is a container. So. Awesome. That's cool. That's what I'm doing. And then just reorganizing my office shop, trying to get things more usable and mix more floor space. I looked at your video today. It's actually really cool. The uh, the arcade cabinet with the decals and stuff. It looks amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Very happy with it. Um, the rubber so, edge banding really dresses it up. Yeah. I think it really... Originally, I got black for that, for the, oh, the, orange the banding. Oh, the good. Yeah, but I'm so glad that I was able to switch it in time. Um I ordered the black, and then that night I was like, you're not even going to be able to see that. Yeah. So I wrote the guy an email, and I was like, if you haven't shipped it yet, please switch it to orange. And uh, he, he was like, yeah, no problem. So he shipped it out, and then I realized that the orange was more expensive, and he didn't say anything about it. He just swapped it out and sent it. It was really cool. But, yeah, by the time this show is out, the last one, last video for the arcade will be up. So it's nice to have that out of the way, you know, completely done. But, awesome. Uh, what about you, Jimmy? What are you working on? I just got back from Arizona. I was in Arizona for the Vortex, the the Polar Vortex. I was in Phoenix, Scottsdale area, thankfully. Is that like at, the name of a party that you were at? Uh, what, the Polar Vortex? That's yeah. What the, that was the party that occurred in New York when it was like 10 degrees oh, below zero. Gotcha. The Polar Vortex. Did you get that in Ohio? No. Nope. Oh, really? No, it was like sub-zero. Even actually, it was so cold. I got back here yesterday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning. And uh, at about 10, I went to take a shower. And I turned the shower on. And it was trickling out until it finally came out full speed, which means that there was a frozen pipe somewhere, like in the exterior wall of the building somewhere. Mm, uh, so that's what happens when you turn on and it just trickles. And I turned the hot water on and the hot water melted whatever the freeze was as it came through the pipe. Mm. But... I was in Arizona working for George Dickel Whiskey doing another live building event and I built a bar on location out of pallets and then the top was a big slab of ponderosa pine that I found at a at a place out there 
uh, called Porter Barn Lumber. If anybody's in that area, Porter Barn Lumber is actually a really great spot. I didn't visit it myself, but I looked at it online and I called in and they hooked me up with a piece that the guys went and picked up for me. Seven foot by two foot by three inch slab is the bar top. And I carved the logo in it and stuff. There's some stuff on Instagram, but by the time this podcast airs, I probably will have finished the video and, and aired the video. So as soon as I got back, which was yesterday morning, I had to, yesterday being Monday morning, I had to get jumping on my make video. So I made a table saw sled concept that came to me over the weekend. And uh, it's it has the, the uh, 45 bevel cutter integrated into the sled. You know, sometimes we have one sled for one and one for another. Mm-hmm. And I, I made one sled that has both of them in it. And with like a couple of screws, you can convert it to the other one and then go back to the regular flat sled. So it's just an idea that I uh, wanted to play around with. It might not be the first and only time I make this. So I'm probably going to keep improving it. And uh, so that's going to be my make video. It's a, it's on my Patreon page. Maybe it'll be out by the time this, this podcast airs. And uh, that's it. Just coming up with new ideas. I just got my, my money to begin my my kindergarten classroom. So I'm going to go tomorrow morning, get supplies and begin working on that. And the awesome. job has been stalled a little bit only be just because of budgets and stuff, but now it's on the move and uh, yeah, that's it. Just jamming away. Are you going to be doing videos or taking pictures of that, of the classroom? Yeah, I'm going to, there's going to be a couple probably of small little uh, segments of it. It probably won't be one big, large video, but it'll be like I'm building cubbies and closets and tables and stuff. So I'll probably break it into a couple different videos. I could stand alone. Awesome. Yeah. I had a question about the uh, the bar build. So when you build, you've done that a few times where you've built those on, mm-hmm. on location. What's the process like for going somewhere where you don't have any of your tools, you don't have any of the materials? You know, how, how do you set that up beforehand to have everything you need to be able to build it? Well, the guys that go and they do like the, the, uh, the, the, the forward team, they go and set up a booth because it was Arizona Cocktail Week. So there's a booth so people can come in and, and taste. It's one of those things like, uh, well, they have a thing. I don't know if it comes to your city called Meetopia where you pay at the door and you come in and every booth just gives away food, you know, because you pay a healthy price at the door. And at the same thing here, you pay a hefty price at the door, maybe 50 bucks, and you get to go around and taste everybody's booze. So there's no money exchanging hands, but there are booths and tents, just like a typical fair. And the uh, they have me in the corner. So they come a couple of days ahead to set up the whole entire tent. And so I know they're going to have some tools. So, But I always go with a suitcase full of at least a, a, hand, a sharp handsaw, a hand plane, couple sets of screw gun drills, drill, you know, just the various basic essentials that I could fit into my carry on. I don't, I don't carry that on, but it is the size of a carry on suitcase. I check it, of course. And I bring a set of chisels and anything that I think I could, you know, be creative with. And I go there with the understanding that at the very least I could hand saw and screw this whole thing together or hand saw and nail it together. And so that, that's my, my, thought going in is that if there's no power tools on site, I could at least just hand saw everything. And in this, I hand saw with a, with like a little just cross cut hand saw, I cut probably about 90% of the cuts. And it was funny. I, I, when you see the video, I cut about 90% of the cuts. And then like, I was like just exhausted from using the hand saw. It was such a pain in the butt. I looked down and there's a, a battery operated circular saw that's been sitting at my feet the whole time. I didn't notice the guys. <laughs> I didn't know they got it because I just saw screw gun around. They went and when they got there, they, they bought a kit. They, when they got there, they went and bought a Ryobi kit. And I didn't realize half the kit was like under the edge of the stage. So <laughs> if I'd have known, I probably would have used it sooner. Anyway, but it's always, I always like getting in practice with the handsaw because I always feel, you know, if you ever, the very least, at least you have that skill. Yeah. And uh, so with, with the, uh, the handsaw and a drill, screw gun, 
and some chisels to carve the logo in. I was able to make this thing out of pallets. And, you know, I go in with the idea of, like, everybody has the understanding of I'm literally building this thing. When all is said and done, like, I probably spent about five to seven hours on it, and that's it. All the other time is spent talking, chatting to people. People want to talk about it. So, you know, in the video, you'll see me working relatively quickly and hard, but there's lots of interruptions. Hey, come over here. I want you to meet somebody. So, like, I'm in the middle of something, and I walk away for an hour. I come back. Um, it's a lot of socializing, which I, you don't see in the video, but so all in, it's about five hours worth of work. So when you look at it and it looks like a little, you know, I always tell everybody, how much would this be? They always ask me, I was like, if it was in my shop, it would be thousands of dollars in this condition. You know, don't judge me on this particular piece because I just built this in a couple hours because mm. everybody all day long looks up and it's like, Oh, can you build me one of those? How much would it be with your card? I'm like, I live in New York. And they're like, oh, forget it. <laughs> hey, can you build me one of these? How much? When can you be done? I said, I live in New York. And they go, oh, forget it. <laughs> I have that conversation 50 times each day for two days. You should just set up a sign. Just, <laughs> I'm in New York. Don't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the guys there, they, they're always uh, – a couple fans came out to see me. Ian, Ian came out. Ian and his wife, Brittany, came out. He's a fan of ours. And uh, – He's in the movie. When you see the movie, he's going to be the one helping me carry the big slab out of the uh, out of the background into the foreground. And uh, a couple of people at night. You guys remember Big Phil uh, from WIA? He was starting a channel. He's from he's from Canada. I, I bumped into mm. him at the Jack Daniels party. He calls my name, is and I was like, "Oh my God, what are you doing here?" So it was funny. <laughs> a guy we met in WIA, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was nice to be out of New York during the polar vortex. And it's always fun to build in the sun. So. Mm. Look forward to that video. Should be good. Awesome. Nice. David, what about you? I'm still working on my pair of corner cabinets. Uh, I keep running into things that delay it. Um, I thought I had the right hinges that I needed. Uh, the doors are inset and it has a face frame. And the hinges that I have are for inset face frame, but it sticks out too far on the side because my face frame is only an inch and three quarters wide. Mm. So I'm like, eh. and then uh, so I went back to the store and and found some that'll work. And they sell them in the plate and the hinge are two different pieces that you purchase. Yeah, and um, yeah, they didn't have the plate, so like we'll we'll order it and it'll be here in a couple of days. So that delayed the project a little bit. Um, this was going to be just like a quick cabinet for my music room, and then I decided to get all fancy and use contrasting woods and uh and i started etching glass with it with the laser engraver and my test piece worked great and then when i went to actually go etch it it messed up yeah oh, um how did it mess uh, up like what happened so uh I, the test piece that i engraved uh the the graphic was only like three inches long and that worked fine on the actual graphic on the real piece of glass is 11 inches long and my laser got knocked out of alignment. I just moved it from my office to my basement. And so when it gets knocked out of alignment, it's perfectly fine on the left side, but as it gets to the right side of the bed, it gets lighter and lighter and lighter until it it's, doesn't, mm. it doesn't show up. So now I have to go order another piece of glass, which is, you know, that takes a day for them to turn that around. And so I keep running into all these little these little issues, but it's looking really good. I'm really happy with it. Awesome. The design looked cool. I mean, Thank you. I haven't Thank seen you. the actual piece, but yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, the uh, I'm really looking forward to the Glowforge coming out because it sounds like that alignment issue and things like yeah. that won't be a problem. Yeah, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, when, and so what Bob is talking out? about the Glowforge. Sorry to cut it off. When oh. does the Glowforge come out? I, I think know. they're shipping. Um, they hope to ship in June. Hmm. Um, they started shipping some already to the very early adopters, with knowing that there could be some some bugs. Um, but the general public, I think it's um, starting in June. At least that's what they're targeting. But what Bob is referring to is like most laser engravers, laser cutters have a set of mirrors which beam the laser all around to the the head. And I believe the Glowforge laser is actually built into the head, so there's nothing to get knocked out of alignment. There's no mirrors or anything. So that's one of the advantages. Something, something to that effect. I don't remember. The guy who started it was telling us all about it when we were in Chicago. And he, I can't remember the specifics, but he said something about the fact that all the pieces that normally get out of alignment are forced into the same piece. Like they're all one thing. Mm. So they can't individually get messed up out of alignment. Like the whole thing moves together. Uh, and since it's one piece, you don't really have to align it. So um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see when we get it and see, you know, yeah. I don't personally don't have a frame of reference because I've never used another laser. So I'm just assuming it'll be good, but I won't have a bad experience to base it off of. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. anyway, um, hmm. so you guys want to do brainstorming this week that we're going to do? Yeah, sure. Okay. Sounds good. So we'll pick what up kind of brainstorming, but before we do that, I want to talk about email for a minute. Um, and we gotten some interesting emails this week and I, I'm not picking on anybody. <laughs> That's not the purpose of this, but I always talk about managing the expectations of other people. That's something that has become like a big part of what I'm doing now, you know, doing this full time, creating content, putting it out there for people. Um, I think anybody that does that or anybody that creates anything is, you know, faced with the expectations of the people who consume what they create. And those expectations are hardly ever the same as yours are as the creator. So I've, I've been dealing with that a lot and learning more about that. And that gives me some cool perspective on like, how important is it when I get a bad comment or a good comment? Like, how important is that really? Because it's really based on that person's ex- expectation. So we got an email this week from a guy and we ended up having a conversation. He was very nice. I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative about him, but as one side of a conversation, his email went something like, um, I really enjoyed the brainstorming episode you guys did. That's what I wish, or that's what I expected all of your episodes to be like, but they're not, they're all like this one that I didn't like. And, you know, I told him, I'm sorry that you're not really enjoying the show. It's not for everybody. Okay. You know, but his expectation, because the name of the show is making it, is that we should talk about, well, I don't really know what his expectation is, <laughs> that we should talk about making things only, or that we should talking, talk about like the mechanics of you know using tools, or I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, the three of us have a different expectation as to why we're doing this, what we talk about, what we get out of it, what we can give out of it, right? So we have our own understanding of that. So when I got this email from, the, or we got this email from this guy, it was a little like, Oh, well, that's a shame that somebody doesn't like what we're doing for whatever reason, because it's not what they think. Um, But like I said, he was nice about it. It wasn't like a a negative conversation. So I moved on past that. And then we got like three other emails this week Mm. that, (laughs) that were like the polar opposite 
yeah. of, of that sentiment. And, and, you know, I don't even have them in front of me. I'm not going to read them or anything, but they were essentially like, we love the show. The fact that you guys talk about the problems that you're facing and the things that you like and the things that inform who you are and all this mm-hmm. different stuff. Like it makes a difference in how I'm looking at my work. That's awesome. <laughs> Those are my sure. favorite. Yeah. That's it's so just awesome. Makes you stop and think, this is crazy what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. And yeah. so, and, and the reason I bring all that up is just to, to frame it for the people who are listening for whatever you create. Here's a making it point. Okay. <laughs> whatever you make, there is somebody out there that that's going to have an effect on. Um, and some people are not going to be affected by what you're doing because they have a di- different expectation for what you're putting out. But there other people out there are going to be affected in the way that you want them to be affected by what you're doing. So, don't be, you know, down on yourself if you don't reach everybody, if not everybody's into it. Or, in fact, there was another email that was like, how do you guys deal with um, when you create something for a client and they reject it? They don't like the the final product, you know, like how do you deal with that? Um, and I think it's into the same the same category here. If you create something for someone and they it doesn't meet their expectation, like you have to figure out how to deal with it. Anyway, I'm saying all this stuff to encourage people who are making anything to not be discouraged if not everything is a home run with every single person, because it's probably a home run with somebody, or at least it's a first base with somebody. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, there is positive that comes well out. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, anyway. uh, it's, um, it's also just to be clear when we came up with the name making it, we use that name as a metaphor for making it in life, making it in the in the community that we're in, making it on YouTube, making it in your chosen profession. So it's a metaphor all around the, the world of hand making stuff. So making it has is multi has multiple meanings. It's not literally about brainstorming and making stuff. It's about everything that goes with it. Yeah. And I mean the good thing is like in at least in the podcast world, there are podcasts well, I mean, YouTube is the same thing. There are pieces of content that cover just about every approach to everything. Yeah. So, you know, there are other shows that are specifically about woodworking that are really good at talking about woodworking. And there are other ones that are about whatever, and they're really good at that thing. Um, but those people are not in place to be us. We are not in place to be those people. There's content for everybody for different reasons. So... Anyway, I hope that's encouraging, at least to somebody out there who's making something, whether it's content or whether it's furniture or whether it's sewing or I don't know, whatever, doesn't matter, but be encouraged. Um, All right, I'm done with that. (laughs) Unless you guys have anything else for (laughs) it. No, I think you said everything that I wanted to say, so. Cool. Um, Brainstorming. Let's do uh, some more ideas if you want to. Yeah, let's do it. What do you got, Bob? You go first. Throw one out there. I just talked. (laughs) <laughs> keep you it going got the mic <laughs> all right um all right so i got three four things left on my list that we didn't talk about last time um one is a pedal board so i've been really wanting to get back into playing music lately and a uh, pedal board for my guitars i have tons of guitar pedals like way more than any person should have and i have a really large old school pedal board that i made that's like a it's like a case you know um, and so the whole top comes off and then you have all the pedals on the inside on two different tiers and there's power that runs through it and all that stuff. Um, so there's a bunch of different designs that are out there to make them, but I'd like to do 
my version of that that is really it has to hold a bunch it needs to be very lightweight and it needs to be kind of portable not terribly portable um because i don't really play out anywhere anymore but the big thing is like it needs to be big and lightweight but in the past if i've made them from wood they've been at that size they're not really strong enough so do you guys have any thoughts on that i do a couple years ago i made one I don't have it with me, but I have uh, this. I don't know what you call these types of cases, but you can see this on the camera, Bob. But I got this from Harbor Freight. Oh, yeah, like a these flight things, case, yeah, suitcase thing. And they, <clears throat> they cost like 20 bucks, and they come in a couple different sizes. So I made a pedal board that fits in there, which is great for travel because I can pull it right out mm. and then plug it in. And then my guitar cords also fit on top. So everything is in this nice little compact case. And... Pedals are weird because if you because some of them have the um, the power on the back, mm-hmm. some of them have the power on the side, um, some of them um, only require battery power, and then there are like some Russian ones where the in and out are actually switched, and it it's really yep. I've very, had, I have that big muff pedal. It does yes, yeah exactly <laughs> <Yep>. right. <laughs> so. Um, I made one that was very specific, and it would only hold these pedals. But this was, I committed to this, this series of pedals in this order, and I stuck with that for a long time. Now, I'm actually going to make another one. I'm not going to do a video on it because it's very specific to, to what I'm doing. But um, are you going to try to make yours so you can swap things out and move things around? Yeah, because that's the way I've always played is I like to be able to reorder, you know, create the sound through the order of the the pedals and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean like my, mine now is probably three and a half feet long and about, about 18 inches deep. So there's two tiers of pedals in there. I mean, there's a lot more than I need for sure. But, um, and I'd like to keep it at that because I end up kind of doing, I use it in a different way than like all on or all at once, you know? So Mm A funny thing, uh, when Dave and I brainstorm, we always come up with like ridiculous solutions that aren't necessarily the solution, but could lead you somewhere. Mm. And I just pictured you standing in a ring at your feet, a ring, like a five foot diameter ring. And all around the ring are all the different pedals you need. <laughs> so, you, like, And it spins to the front of you, you know, like you might know, like you, maybe you Ooh. do a foot move and then like the one spins to you and then spins away. That's oh, completely man. ridiculous. But could you imagine like a... You know, if you're doing your own like Star Wars video and they have that like special effect at the bottom of your foot where your pedal spins to the one, or it's like a big donut and only the pedal you need reveals itself and then you click on it, then it spins uh. away. Oh, nice. It's just, it's just a thought. But uh, even if it was like a semicircle around you, which obviously isn't extremely conducive to traveling with, but if it was a semicircle then opened up into a donut, so it closes chunk like this and it's like a bear oh, yeah. trap and then it opens up into a circle. These or are even, all the things I'm just even a, even a quarter circle that opened into a half yeah. to give yeah. you like the halfway around. So maybe it yeah. folds in half to like a just kind of a curved piece. Huh. That and was just what I was envisioning while we were talking. But then also I was thinking of if you found something really cool to put it in. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is an old guitar case, right? If it's all in, like you open up a guitar case and all your things are there, everybody would be like, oh my God, that's so cool. But what if there was some other thing that it could Dude. be? Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Like if it was like, it looked like a snowboard, like shoulder strap. I just traveled and everybody's Uh, carrying, everyone's lugging a snowboarder. I'm like, can't you rent those things? Everybody's (laughs) dragging a snowboard with them to the airport. Um, 
so if it looked, I don't know, the snowboard case is so awkward looking, but you know, it's just something cool that like, like it, maybe it's an old record play. There's none of these are really good examples, but it's just going to lead to maybe a potential good example, like right. an old record player that you're like, everyone's like, what are you doing with your record player, Bob? We're going to do a show. And you're like, no, it's my pedal box. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. I mean, a lot of people have used suitcases, like, I mean, like the one that you're showing, David, obviously people can't see this, but it's, it's basically a suitcase. Um, but a lot of people will use old, you know, like the old sixties fancy looking suitcases as their pedal board and stuff. The, one of the things that I've always used, done my boards is every, all the pedals have, um, Velcro on the bottom. And then the inside surface of the board is covered with like a, 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 auto upholstery stuff or auto carpet, I guess it's, Mm -hmm. I don't know what you call it. And so the pedals will Velcro to that. That way, when I close the top, I can lift it up and carry it from the side with a big handle or I can roll it or I can flip it over and nothing's going to flop around. So, you know, not that I have to keep all those same things in the next one, but it, there are some things that I figured out over time to make it easier. The big thing is it's just like so heavy and, um, so I don't know if, you know, maybe, Do maybe not make doing it out the, of MDF. Yeah. Maybe the majority of it out of aluminum would be a, uh, you could do like aluminum do with angle iron and pop rivets. Or, I mean, if you ever got an aluminum welder, but you could certainly get away with pop riveting it together. You know, if you had like aluminum panels with like a, uh, like an angle iron, but made an aluminum and aluminum angle right. to yeah. connect the whole thing together. You'd end up with a box similar to what, uh, Dave just showed, hmm. you know, in some configuration like that. Yeah. Something to think about too is, you know, when you're in a live situation, it's very dark and you can, you can see the pedals that stomp on them, but when you want to actually go and turn a knob, it's almost impossible to see. I would maybe hook up like an LED strip into the nine volt adapter. And so it's, it's lit up. Right. And then you could also have that, that LED lights up a, I like to make stuff lo- <laughs> logo on the back of it. That's a good idea. You could wear it like a bandolier too. You could like wear it around you like a bandolier, like Chewy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you could slap the different boxes as you need them. The bandolier of rock. Yeah. Yeah. So what is okay. what is what is Chewy walk around with a bandolier of uh, pedals? No, I don't know what those are. Snacks, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> are you stumped, Bob? Well, I mean, what? you know, he never uses them in the movies. I have no idea. <laughs> He has granola bars. On it's them. granola. That's what I was going to say too. All right, that's what that was mine. Somebody else go. Well, I'm working on I'm working on Witchblade three right now. I'm actually going to try and make that uh, one of my next videos. Uh, which I call it the witches and which blade am I going to choose? Dave actually came up with that name, um, but it's going to be my third version of this uh, Bowie knife or you know camping knife, and the handle will be a multi tool. And I've been going back and forth. What I got inspired to make a, a new one was because some of these knives you see now, they're just plasma or laser cut silhouettes of a knife in the silhouetted handle. And so what occurred to me was what if that void in the handle, just a flat cut steel shaped knife and the void in the handle, you could pop in uh, the Leatherman Surge and it mm. pops right back out. So it's either in it or out of it, but the whole knife itself is always usable at any given moment with or without the handle in it. Because in the past, I've, I've had it so the whole handle comes off, and then it's kind of unusable. So mm. it's just the blade or, or Leatherman. So this is the third incarnation, and I think it may be the, the most practical, I think. Because mm. you'll be able to use both tools at the same time, and it's not necessarily one or the other. Um, 
so that's something I'm, I'm thinking about right now. And I haven't, I haven't actually uh, started it. So I just got the materials. I got an old, well, an old design, but a brand new version of a SOG knife and a, and a, a new surge from, uh, not surge, but the, the Leatherman Wave, which is the smaller one. I forget what it is. Not sure. Yeah. Know. You guys aren't Leatherman guys, right? Well, you guys. He is. Different? I'm not. And what's, am, what, is the, what, what is that? I have the titanium charge. I think it's about that size. That's the one that I'm going to be putting into the thing. Yeah, you have the newest version. That's sexy. So, what's you know. the locking me- mechanism to keep it in the? I, that's thing. what you know. See, I've been trying to come up with a couple of ideas. I thought about it just pulling straight out, like it's like imagine if you make a peace sign and then the thing slips in between your fingers. Um, but those two would be two prongs of steel. But then it has a kind of an open tuning fork, which doesn't look good. So it would have to literally just like pop into the side of it. And until I actually get down to start like welding metal together, and I, when I say it'll be small, little like thin strips, tiny pieces of metal, until I really come up with a good solution. I, I have some ideas, but I don't know if they're going to work until I actually begin to just experiment. So that's what I'm going to have to really begin to do is just like start cutting holes in metal and just trying to pop the Leatherman into the sideways and see what happens. The Leatherman itself has like kinds of like pockets and voids, so it's not like trying to, for instance, it's not like popping a domino into a perfectly square sleeve. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Is is this perfectly for the for the enjoyment of making it, or do you have dreams or goals of this being something that could be manufactured? No, I want to manufacture or, it. I want oh, to manufacture. You do. Yeah, okay. I've talked to some. Uh, I've talked about doing a Kickstarter campaign with it. I've talked to a couple of factories, and they haven't really taken me serious. And every single day, I, I swear, I mean, almost every single day, I get an email or, or a comment on one of those two things that say I would buy that if it hmm. was available. And I've talked to a couple of people about it. I actually, m- my brother hooked me up with a company that was very interested in making it, um, but they kind of lingered away. You know, these things are so hard to get going. And so one thing I noticed about a lot of uh, successful inventors is that they made several versions of, of the idea that ultimately, including the Leatherman has been, you know, obviously a big inspiration. When you read about uh, Tim Leatherman's, uh, you know, s- process and how he ultimately made the first one that worked, he made you know, several different versions. And so I feel if I keep making versions of this thing, I will come to one that's like kind of the, you know, the, the knock on the side of the head, like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't think of this sooner, mm. that kind of mm. thing. But so that's why I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of going through the motions of kind of stretching my, my brain a little bit. I don't see the answer right in front of me. I, I personally like the idea of like the silhouetted handle with a hole right in the side of it, but I don't know the intimate details of that until I start working on it. So it's it's hard to it's even hard to brainstorm about that because unless I'm like down at the little nitty gritty of where that clip's going to be and how it's going to work and the tension on it, so I really love the idea that this is the third version of it and then you keep improving on it because yeah. something I it's not something I get to do or I might like so for this corner cabinet that I made I cut out a piece of cardboard to make sure it would kind of fit and it would look okay in the room and it would be the right size but that's all yeah. I did once I was no, like no that's yeah, smart that's though that's that's I tell people that all the time I'm like just cut out a piece of cardboard yeah. you know and put it there so you feel what the environment's going to be like smart. but usually for me but once I make that that is the last time I will make that thing and right. then I move on so I don't I don't get to improve upon I can talk about it with my audience like oh next time I would do this different but I don't actually get to execute those those new ideas hmm. what do you think the reaction would be if you did you know say in a couple of months you came back and I'm gonna destroy this thing and make it better uh, 
I don't know. I, I think I think there'd be good and bad. I think, well, I've already seen this. Or there'd be like, that's so cool that you, you did that. You know, nobody else is doing that. So I don't know. It's something to think about. Hmm. I tell I tell my students all the time, if you make something, make it again and again and again and again. That's the only way you're going to get really good at it and start to solve a lot of problems you don't even realize are there. It's so simple. My dumb little ice pick that I made 500 of now, every single time I make it, I figure out a new shortcut that I didn't already that I didn't already use or didn't already think of. And uh, just as simple as this, and I never put this in a video or anything. So I always, I take the, the ice pick and I put a notch in it so that the ring could fit into the end to solder. So I take the tube is like a quarter inch diameter and I put a notch right in the end of the tube. And the, the cutting leaves a whole bunch of burrs. So I put them in a box and then I take the box over to the sander and then I sand each one of them. It occurred to me a couple of weeks ago that if I just glued a strip of sandpaper around the chuck of the lathe so i took a half inch wide strip of sandpaper and glued it around the chuck of the lathe so now i put my notch in the end of the brass tube and all the burrs are on it and then i just literally move it a couple inches over to the chuck and (laughs) rub it on that strip of sandpaper that's spray glued around the chuck and now it wasn't until i made my fifth batch of a hundred Till I realized, oh, this saves me a step of having to go over to the sander. Right. And, and I'm using electric that's already running. So I don't, all I'm doing is like I switch out one and before I put it in the box, I just sand the burrs off it against the chuck of the lathe that has a half inch strip of sandpaper glued to it uh, around the whole circumference of it. And so unless you keep doing things over and over and over again, it's hard, not to, it's, it's hard to see all those little improvements as you go. So, for instance, I made the video of me making the ice picks, the very first video, which is the worst version of me making those 100 ice picks, even though every little thing I do is a very slight improvement. But when you watch that video of me make those 100 ice picks, my process now is completely different and Hmm. a lot more streamlined and goes a lot faster. Um, Ultimately, I'll have them manufactured, but until I can figure that out, which is a whole other story, um, I'll keep making them by hand. That's interesting because when you made your first batch of that, you probably thought, based on the the experience of the first batch and the process that you had there, you probably thought, I don't really want to make another hundred of these because the process is going to take as long as it took the first time. It, it, but then true. when you did the second one, it was faster. And then you mm-hmm. probably thought the same thing. But then the <laughs> third one ended up being faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's kind of cool. I, I mean, it's it's obviously paid, paid me fairly well. I mean, I'm making a lot of money on those things. But the work is also quite quite tedious and and it's you know it's this focused work it's kind of boring but because i made so many of them i've gotten so many little nuanced things to improve my workflow in other ways so when i go to do something else i was like oh i remember that i learned this when i did the ice pick i've gotten good at soldering i never really silver soldered which is kind of an art form on itself and now i'm really good at it i know what to expect with how the heat's going to manipulate the solder flow all these other things I didn't know when I did the first batch. So it's um, now in, instead of heating up one at a time, because I have the tip of the torch is, is basically sending energy out and I'm focusing it on one solder joint at a time. Now I, I focus the heat on like six solder joints at the same time. So I get done that much faster because the torch is just blowing into midair anyway. So I have like six other pieces right behind the first one I'm doing. So I solder the first one, move it, the second one, move it, the third one, move it, the fourth one, move it. So it's, I'm soldering like into, into like a, you know, a row of them. That's I have brilliant. A little, yeah, I have a chalk, a chalk of uh, steel and I have holes drilled in the steel. So I just set up six in a row like lollipops and I just move them out of the way as I solder them. But, you know, these are things that you don't know, you can't think of until you do it 
500 times. And so that's what I'm trying to do with this, with the Witchblade. I'm going to make a, I actually started making a third one. I Instagrammed about it a little bit about a year ago, but I didn't like the way it was going. So I kind of abandoned that route. So now I'm doing this other one, which I think is much more practical. And the idea of having the frame of the handle always there, I think is more saleable. Just, you know, imagine if you're, you know, you're changing the brake light on your bicycle, your blinking light, you're changing the bat with your leather man and you're out on the trail and then all of a sudden a bobcat shows up. <laughs> and you got to throw the bike at him, duh. No, no, and the bobcat, you know, wants a piece of your bologna sandwich. <laughs> and you got to say, hold on, let me put the leather man back onto the big knife so that I can cut you a piece of my bologna sandwich before you kill me. <laughs> what a weird scenario. Now you yeah. can leave the you can leave the leather man with the screwdriver sticking out and your battery pack on the ground. And you could say, Give me just a second, Mr. Bobcat, and you could pull out your knife with the wireframe handle or the steel frame around the you know the space that the leather man would take up and cut him a piece of sandwich and then he'll go on his way without ripping your arm off. <sighs> you know what I get out of this? Jimmy, you really should stop eating processed meats. It's re- they're really not good for you. <laughs> Yeah. No, so there's a scenario. I mean, that's <laughs> that was born out of a comment when someone's like, "Yeah, but now the blade is useless." So, mm. you know, that's again, just we'll see where it goes. I'll make four and a five. You know, hopefully one of these days somebody will manufacture it. And you should definitely cut a piece of bologna in the video and give oh, it to Spike. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Spike doesn't yeah. like bologna. I give him a two every now and again. He just looks at it and like turns his head what? and goes back to sleep. What? Wrong with that cat? Yeah. <laughs> Taylor says he eats like a Purina cat chow. It's like Doritos. It's like he only likes Doritos. He doesn't like <laughs> real food. She's like, that's because the previous owner only fed him Doritos. It's what he likes. <laughs> he give him real food and he just looks at it. Now he's finally eating raw meat. Taylor's got the, all, all the animals on a raw meat diet, which is apparently really good for them. Um, but prior to that, like you'd give him raw meat and he would like, it would just sit there and all of a sudden there'd be flies on it. He, but now he's eating it, finally. I guess it's either starve to death or eat the raw yeah. meat. So now he's eating the raw meat. So, Crazy. Yeah. So so that's 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 where I'm going with the with the with the Witchblade three. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But Cool. David, what about you? You got an idea? So I have a couple things. I was telling I was telling both of you before we hit record, like I'm not sure I have really good ideas or they're really undeveloped, so maybe you guys can help me along here. But um so I have my workbench. It's something I did not photograph or film, and I want to show how I made it. So I've thought of a couple different ways to do that, and one is to do a miniature version of it, and one is to do a completely animated from like a SketchUp drawing pieces, and and I, and I talk over it. Um, or I could actually build a new workbench and try to get r- rid of another one. But I don't really have room to build another workbench and then try to find somebody to take the old one or the new one. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on how to teach, how to make something without, without actually making, making it. it. Yeah. Have you watched uh, ClickSpring? Yes. Not every single noticed? video, but I love a lot of his videos. Yeah. Once in a while, what he does, which is incredible, which you know, I wish I had the patience and the, and the know-how to do it. He has like a real object that dissolves into a CGI version of it in the same exact position. Now, I don't know if he takes the photograph first or if he builds the CGI and then composes it, but they literally blend right into one another. So it looks exactly like the object and then it cross dissolves into the CGI version of it on his computer screen. And then it starts moving around. Mm-hmm. So I, I, while you were talking, I pictured your 
your table and you explaining the CGI version and like it fades in and out of like the real situations of what you're explaining. You know, so you go from the CGI to the actual cross dissolve of what you built. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. And Frank Howarth does a little bit of that too. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, that's good. At first, I wanted to do just a miniature version of it, like a quarter scale or something. But then Frank Howarth actually came out with a video where he showed um, uh, some sort of hoist type thing that he has in his shop. Yep. And it was all animations. And it was all just graphics and how it was built. And I was like, that was a really interesting way to show how that was done. Wondering how I can do that. So, I don't know, just something that I think about. I have I have a bench, and it was cheaply made, and it's like super crazy sturdy. It's super heavy and and i i think some people would get some good use out of it but i don't need to make another one so if you made it at like instead of like tiny scale let's say you made it like one inch equals a foot so or like say two inches equals a foot so it'd be like like a half i'm like holding my hands apart at like 30 inches if you made yeah. it like that that would be pretty hefty and then you might actually be able to like give it to a nephew or a niece or something hmm 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 I've also, yeah. you know what, you just you just sparked an idea because uh, I see a lot of hand tool users. They have their workbench, but then they have a bench that they put on top of their bench to bring their work up to uh, like head level, so you're not mm -hmm. bending over. So right. I'm wondering if like the little mini bench could be attached to the bigger bench and bring <laughs> the work up to my hmm. yeah, like a, like instead of a standing desk, standing yeah. bench, a standing yeah. bench. Oh, huh. this is this is why I love brainstorming sessions. You could do a sideways one too, so you never have to get out of bed. No, the tools are magnetized <laughs> to the top of it so they don't fall on your chest. Just you have to buy uh, magnetic wood to be able to make that work, which is you know it's a little more expensive, but you can get it. I mean, you yeah, could have yeah. all the tools hang from strings in the ceiling, so if you need them, they're just kind of like in place. But it's uh, you guys know I love uh, Marco Trenisi. I think I'm saying his name correctly. The guy on Instagram who makes all the miniature stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we met him quickly at, at WIA, and he has these little tiny. He makes literal, actual, perfect things, tiny, and you know he has little tiny workbench. He has little hand planes, anvils, all like exactly accurate, but just tiny. So that's it. Just reminds me of what he's doing, but not he doesn't do. It. He does it like in a scale. Like I'm like holding my fingers apart. That would be about seven or eight inches. That's about how big he would make his bench. You own one of his pieces, don't you? No, you know, I wanted to, and I offered to buy it right there at the show. And uh, I've emailed him several times and or I've followed up and commented on some of his stuff and he hasn't hit me back. So hmm. maybe he doesn't want me to have one. I don't know. I actually <laughs> was very eager to buy one, but we did not. Uh, he did not follow up with me. So He didn't want you to spray paint it white. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably it. No, I would love to own one of his pieces. And if he's listening, please reach out to me because I, I, I feel like I'm annoying him at this point. So I don't want to hit him anymore. Hmm. So... So with your bench, uh, David, is there is there no way that you could get rid of the one that you have before you built? You know, like as incentive to build the new one, but also to give you the space to build a new one? Mm, yeah, I suppose that's possible. But I'm really attached to my bench. And it's a beast. And it would have to, the, the top would have to come back off and then be carried up these basement stairs. This is something I don't even want to think about right mm. now. It's, it's my baby. It's one of my first woodworking projects, and it's I use it in every single project now. Gotcha. Why don't you make one as like a giveaway or something? It's the thought. Make it exactly the same, and make it you'll, you'll if you make it exactly the same. There's no doubt it's going to be improved one way right. or another. Um, and then sell it or burn it. 
Make it <laughs> that would be that would be amazing. You could you could title the video "How to Make a Bonfire," and it's you building a bench and then carrying it up into your backyard and burning it. Oh, that yeah. would be amazing. <laughs> anyway, that's not a good idea. <clears throat> um, you guys want to do any more? Let's do a couple more. Yeah, right. you do one. I got another good one. I think. All right, so I'm trying to think of. I'm going to build a welding cart slash table because I don't have a welding table and the cart that I have my welder on can't hold the tank for it. So I want to combo those two things together and I've actually already done the model for it. Like I I built it in SketchUp. It's fully done. Um, The top is going to be instead of a solid piece, it's going to be um, the rectangular tubing, you know, that's like a one by two or one by three or something. Mm -hmm. So some strips of that with a space in between them so that I can put clamps down if I need to clamp something to the top. So that's the idea. But then when I got it all designed, it was like, it's just, it. I mean, it's functional and it should work, but it just doesn't have a thing. You know what I mean? I kind of wanted it to have a thing. Mm. So Jimmy, with your more um, experience, longer experience of welding and mm-hmm. what's a thing that would be like, oh man, if I had that on a portable welding table. Hmm. Um. I'm not the one thing that whenever it comes to welding, the one thing that is the most clumsy thing, and I, I can't believe it. I've even tried to have a dialogue with my friends at Lincoln about it, and they kind of picked up on it as me just giving them a couple of tips. But I was trying to tell them they need to revolutionize cable management, and that's the most important <laughs> annoying thing when you get into welding is cable management because every welder's got you got the air hose, you got the the ground clamp and you got the plug and in some cases you have one more thing and it is such a pain in the butt they're all over the place you're stepping on them they get entangled on everything and so they do no thought process into cable management and i show in one of my videos that this i i make this thing that goes over the machine and then comes back up so there's a hook on the left and the right side mm-hmm. i even showed that to a couple welding companies like hey we should manufacture this and they're like oh that's so cute nice little job boy and they tap me on the head they say, oh, that's really interesting. But meanwhile, they give you a, a welder with nothing to do with the cables except drag them around. Mm-hmm. And I just bought a welding cart and there's no hooks on the welding cart to hang the cables. They just expect you to wrap three cables in the same direction on the same handle and then they all get tangled up together. So if there was a welding table that if you had a dedicated machine underneath it, dedicated to the location of where the machine is and a way to keep the cables you know, in, in line. Like one should be completely on that side of the work and the other one should be completely on the other side of the work. That's, that's what, a thought. What about yeah. like a hose reel? Would that, would that help the process at all? Um, not necessarily. I mean, only if you were doing really, like if you were welding from a truck in a basement, for instance, which they have, you know, like if you're going to be welding, like doing boiler repairs, which you see around New York City all the time. And these guys have these long hoses that have to go to where they're working. Hmm. Um, but if you're just in a shop situation, even just like three or four loops on the hook is enough to keep them out of your way. But they don't think of that. They don't consider that. They, they just, the, most of the cables are about nine feet long. And like I said, two or three loops on a, on a hook is really all you need to manage them. But they don't even think of that. They just they just get tangled everywhere. So um, maybe for instance, like if you were going to have a dedicated machine, you could also have the ground cable just bolt right onto the yeah. You know, have like a bolt. But but then again, you know, guys might right now guys are punching their their iPods, going, "No, you need the clip to put on the machine on the thing." Sometimes. <laughs> well, you that's know, what one. I mean, the entire cart will be steel, and so the entire can, thing would be for just, grounding. So I was yeah. just going to clip it anywhere. Yeah, but that makes much sense. There's also so the the uh, welder will be on the bottom tray and then there'll be a shelf right above it and then 
maybe six or eight inches and then the top surface. Mm-hmm. And so that shelf, the idea is to have a couple of grinders and maybe another tool or two that I would use, you know, while in the process, have them on the shelf, have all of those wires running to a central plug. So all the stuff is plugged into one box and the cart mm-hmm. has one tail going out that I would plug into the wall. So it's interesting yeah. to think about cable management because I'm actually adding to the problem by doing that. No, no, no. That's good though. They have there's the going to be more of them to manage. You know? No, that's good. If you have the plug, uh, a plug at the front of your machine that can handle everything, you know, everything goes to like a 25 amp circuit somewhere. That's actually a pretty good idea. Hmm. Yeah. And then the idea is you said you were going to use like uh, box tubes to be, to make the top up. Yeah. And how many in a row and how close together would they be? Um, I've got them about an inch apart and I think there's six maybe. Uh-huh. And they're, they're one by three. No. I don't remember the size that I ended up on, but I'm trying to keep the whole thing pretty narrow. And so the top is, you know, maybe 14 or 15 inches wide. And then, um, I don't remember how long, but I actually wanted a larger welding table than that. So I was trying to think of a way to have an extension to the table that would fold down on one side of the cart. So mm-hmm. you could fold it up and then you would end up with like a double wide top to the My- width of the cart. But then, for that to be really effective and worthwhile, it has to be level. The entire top has to be level. So yeah. anytime you move half of it, you know you're going to run into that not being perfectly. Level. You know that you know you know what I just envisioned, which makes it slightly more complicated. But you know it's all a matter of figuring it out. Is if you have like one inch by one, you know the things are like I'm weaving my fingertips together right now on camera showing them. If you had the table just woven together and it just slides like this and then slides apart, so if you. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You have like, mm-hmm. let's say you just have like a bunch of two by fours and every other one is connected to one end and the ones in between those are connected to the other end. You can compress them down to say four feet or pull them wide apart to eight feet. Oh, you know, that's not, great. Necess- not yeah. necessarily eight feet because they would need to overlap at one point yeah. to stay. That's together. cool. Huh. You, you'd have to figure out how to also keep that, manage the, the surface of that so that it's flat. Right. But then once well, there's, done, yeah, you there's like little. bolts running through all of it. And so it all mm-hmm. rests on these and it stays level. Yeah, there's, there's a, a couple stop, ways of doing. so it doesn't come all the way undone. Yeah, Ooh, I like that. That's yeah. a good idea. That's cool. You think we're going to win the prize? <laughs> there's a prize? <laughs> no, like the like those idiot teams on the TV shows. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of welding, not that yeah. anybody cares about this at all, but I did go uh, to Harbor Freight and pick up the uh, the portable bandsaw that you. Oh, oh, right on. About. So have you I used have one of those now? I, um. Not really. I like cut the end. I put a good blade on it and then cut the end of a piece just to make sure I had it like running mm-hmm. right and the blade was on correctly and it cut metal. So, you know. What's the one, that, me? the one like this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Is it mountable where you could have it like a, like a band, like a woodworking bandsaw? Is it mountable? I couldn't, I didn't see any mounts like on it made for that, but I'm sure there's a way to do it. I yeah, mine, really the one I, the one I have is, is by DeWalt and it has like a big, sturdy hook on it that's like meant to hook on a ladder or something wherever you might be working and i have that hook just grabbed inside of a vice so y- yours is probably like a knockoff i've been wanting to buy that one but i'm assuming it's just a knockoff of a couple like the market ones like milwaukee makes one and then the one dewalt makes so it might have does it have that hook on it that you noticed I, not that i noticed but i haven't really looked hard i mean it's, yeah, i took it out put there, a blade on it and that's it that hook is intended to be strong enough to carry it so Gotcha. I just have it grabbed by the hook and the and it holds it right where it needs to be held. Hmm. So. Awesome. All right. Who's next? Yeah. Um, I've been. We came up with an idea when we were at OrdCamp, and I don't know if I talked about this. Remind me if I did, and I'll go to the next one. But uh, did I talk about making a cement tabletop? 
I don't, I don't think so. We, so. we talked about it at OrdCamp, but I didn't talk about it here. Yeah, I want to make a trestle table, like a classic trestle table. And instead of just doing a traditional wood top, I wanted to do a cast cement top. And that's not something I'm going to be able to do until the summertime because I'll do it upstate. But um, I've been thinking about casting the tabletop and making patterns in the mold so that those images show up in the in the final cast. Uh, I don't know exactly what yet, but I just think it would be an interesting process and uh, how I make the mold and what I make the mold out of. And I mean, obviously, it might be just plywood. Maybe I'll just make it out of wood so it looks like it's wood. Hmm. In the hotel I stayed in over the weekend, the ceiling of every room was plywood molds. Like whoever, whenever they cast the building, the building was cast in concrete and the ceiling was sheets of plywood. But the impression of the plywood is now in the concrete ceiling. So I could make like a wooden tabletop mold, fill it with concrete, and then when I break the mold away, um, it would basically be a big slab of concrete that has wooden grain in it. Could so, you weather the wood so the grain kind of pops, stands out a little bit more too? You know, absolutely, you get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems like you'd have to. I mean, like how much detail would concrete be able to grab there? Uh, believe it or not. Quite a bit. You know, it depends on the, the slurry that I use to put in there. Obviously, you know, you have the right. cement that we walk on, which is a little bit more, has more like aggregate in it. It could be less, you know, I see some concrete stuff. It's like beautifully smooth, polished stuff. So it'd be a, probably someplace in between. Taylor's done a lot of research on this, so I'm going to ask her to help me with that. We might even do that project together. Hmm. But, um, you know, what the mold looks like. And I guess if I make the end of the molds, I want it to look like end grain at the end of the tabletop. So mm -hmm. like the end of the molds would be chunks of end grain so it end up with that end grain molding into the wood that makes sense you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. that's an awesome idea yeah, yeah so the, i mean i'm actually just thinking of this right now while we talk i didn't really think of it until we began talking about it the idea of making the cement look like big chunk of maybe a few pieces of wood pieced together or maybe one big piece of wood from like and then you would get like the that the type of plywood that you would like use for for sheeting not something that's not like a piece of birch, but like the, the grain is really smooth. You'd want something with like a deep grain. Yeah. Or maybe even OSB, you know, that oriented strand board, that ugly stuff. It looks like hay compressed <laughs> yeah. together. Yeah. That, I mean, it looks really ugly, but it might be interesting to take that pattern and have it in a cement tabletop. I wonder if uh, a piece of um, pressure treated would give you a bigger difference in grain height. Yeah, that pressure treated always has like a deep grain because it's yeah. really never meant to be looked at. It's always meant to just be like undercoating. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Process and then the, I'm thinking the trestle itself might end up being traditional woodwork, but you know, it might be interesting if it was traditionally joined like wood but made out of metal or Maybe. concrete. Concrete Con dovetails, do it, man. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> that would mean I'd have to make the mold dovetails, and I don't like doing that. <laughs> I'd have to make them twice. I don't, has anybody ever done concrete dovetails though? I, I just saw on Pinterest there was uh, it was concrete on one side and wood on the other. So I think a, I saw that. Was it was it was it a notch together or was it a dovetail together? It was more like square notches. Uh, I mean, you know what? Maybe it was like a finger joint type thing. Because that's I think I saw it. It was like three three notches and the cement yeah. one stuck up in the middle of the wood one. So the the two yeah. sides of the table was cement. That's the one I saw. Hmm. I'm looking cool. up. <laughs> Well, and like you could tails. do like for the for the trestle table, you could do the through mortises, you know, mm -hmm. and then where you put the the wedge in. But the but uh, you could experiment with, you know, like you said, metal or a concrete in the through mortise, so it peeks out on the opposite side. Mm -hmm. There are so, there's a there's a bench made uh, with cement dovetails on Pinterest. Mm. 
It's actually pretty pretty. It's pretty pretty ugly. <laughs> pretty, pretty pretty pretty. It's I meant pretty, to say pretty. It's, pretty. Pretty Jimmy ugly. Really it. <laughs> it's pretty ugly, is what I meant to say. <laughs> but it's that's one of our well. listeners. <laughs> it's done well. Cool, David. You got an, another idea? Um. So yes, as we mentioned earlier, the sit stand thing for the bench. Uh, one of the ideas I had written down was actually a really simple sit stand desk for the music room because I need some place. Sometimes I want to sit down. And work on music. And sometimes when you're playing guitar, you you want to have your laptop or whatever at a, at a higher height, a higher height, I guess. Um, but I I haven't thought about it too much. I haven't figured out how to have the the table move up and down. It's not there's not going to be anything uh, permanently on there. It's like the so monitor speakers are actually going to be on stands somewhere else. And I just want something that can be easily move up and down. And I've seen the crazy woodworking videos that has all the the, the X hinges and everything that moves. And I don't want anything that complicated. Um, so I don't know if you guys have any ideas for a quick, simple, but decent looking bench. There was one on, uh, there was a Kickstarter several years ago. And a friend of mine sent it to me asking me if I could make it for him. Because it was so simple construction-wise. Hmm. And I don't remember the name of it at this point. I may be able to look it up. Um, but the thing about it was that the side panels um, had a groove cut out, and the groove was never straight up and down. So it like went from an angle uh, from the bottom, angled up towards the front, and then there was like a little notch. So basically you would lift the, the table piece had, you know... Uh, little knobs on the ends that stuck into this groove. And so mm-hmm. when you lifted it up, you're never carrying the full weight of the table. Part of it was leaning on the slant of on the that. groove. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not really sure how to say that. Mm-hmm. And so that helped you lift it. And then once you got it to the top, you kind of brought it over a little hump and it rested in a, mm. a thing. So you could do that, but then you could also add another dimension to it, counterweighting whatever weight the actual thing that you were lifting was. Maybe you could do some counterweight off the back. So as mm-hmm. you're lifting, whatever whatever weight you're trying to lift is being counterweighted. So you're not actually personally lifting the weight of the entire thing. Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly how that would work, but you know you could drop a weight off of the back of the table that it was hanging onto um, pretty easily to mm-hmm. help with that. I'm drawing a picture of what you could do. Jimmy's got it figured out. <laughs> But other than that, I don't know. I, I th- some of them are very complicated, but oh, I see. I see. So it's got it's got four hinges that works kind of like uh, yeah, a square like turns into a a, a parallelogram a diamond shape. Yeah, a yeah. So if you if if you uh, take like four ice cream sticks and you lay them into like a box grid, right? I don't know how this is gonna. I'm, 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 I'm in deep waters right now. I'm not sure I'm going. If you take four ice cream sticks and you connect them together on all four corners, so you have a box, so to speak, mm-hmm. and then that would be a parallelogram. And if you take one of them, let's say you're looking at them in the upright on the left side and the upright on the right side, take the one side of the box and draw it really long so it goes to the ground, and then do the other side of the box and draw it long so it goes up in the air. And so then you have like a parallelogram with like a tabletop on one side and the other side becomes the base. Of course, it would need to be weighted. And then if you took the bottom one really long and put a weight on the outside of it, that would be a counterweight. 
We're gonna have we'll to have show to, a picture. Of this yeah, we'll take thing. a picture of this and put it in the uh, <laughs> put it in the notes. Yeah, because it makes sense when I'm looking at the picture, but obviously yeah. I don't think that would make any sense for somebody listening. Well, people who play with ice creams know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> people who play with ice cream sticks, I should say. Uh, yeah. Here's a fun fact. I hate wooden spoons and ice cream sticks. I hate the feeling of wood on my lips. Ugh. Hmm. It just gives me the, the chills. Well, there's an episode title. <laughs> I hate the feeling of wood on my lips. So um, another thing that you might, uh, just a mechanism that I've been th- thinking about lately that may work there somewhere. I don't know. Maybe not. So I want to build a um, an arm, like a microphone arm, so that the microphone that I'm using right now can be on this arm, and I can just push it out of, out of the way instead of it being on a stand. You know, like like a, a DJ would have a microphone yeah. with a flexible arm. And so I've looked at how those are made, um, and they're just like the lamps, like a desk lamp you would have when you were a kid, you know, this telescoping lamp or whatever. And the corners or the joints of those and some of the ones I've seen are a triangle. And then, so the, off of the top of a triangle, there's two pieces coming off. Off the bottom of it, there's one piece coming off. And then on the other end, those pieces are all connected to a similar triangle. And so basically, when you want to move the pieces, the two triangles on the ends rotate in the same direction. And so as they turn, the top cross piece is moving faster in one direction than the bottom and that's how they're able to move at the same time because the triangles are turning. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain that in a, in a way that makes sense. But anyway, if you look at the way that those lamps work and the way the joints work, and th- there's springs connecting all the stuff to hold tension. i got to see a sketch of that. But if you, if you look at the way that that works, it's a way that can you, you can have flexible joints that hold their position, um, and you may be able to do something with that same idea of, of lifting a table, yeah. you know. I, I just thought of something else, too. Um, Jimmy, you remember that when that, that company sent us those TV lifts? Yeah. I, st- I still have mine. I wonder if I can make oh, a, yeah. a standing desk <laughs> oh. with one of those. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. The other thing Adam, I thought of, too, Adam is... a TV. In, <laughs> in New York City, all the time, you see, I get to see garbage every day. And a lot of times people throw out chairs with those pumps. You know, the pump that psst, where you sit up and the chair goes psst, goes up in the air. Mm-hmm. Psst, you sit down. And uh, he's doing it right now. <laughs> I see them in the garbage all day long. And I always see them as like a valuable mechanism. Hmm. And I never save them because I always know there'll be another one eventually. But the, the, there's a, I know they make tables with them. Sometimes mm. you see a table with that. So that's another simple thing. Yeah. Cool. You could actually cool. take that pump and use it as like, you know, in a parallelogram design. You could use that pump as the cross member. So you get a lot less movement, but a lot more movement throughout the parallelogram. So the parallelogram's going like this, but the uh, extension. Oh, I mean, the, yeah. The diagonal, like, you could use that pump in the diagonal of it. You're making the popsicles that get longer and shorter. Instead yeah. Of, well, yeah. The, the, the parallelogram, but the, the diagonal gets longer and shorter. And that's where you put that pump thing oh, that you steal out I of the see. chair. Gotcha. Across the, the from corner to corner. Yeah, diagonally through yeah. the parallelogram. Because <laughs> that, that when you move the parallelogram, the diagonal gets longer and shorter, depending right. upon which one it is. Crazy. <laughs> we definitely yeah. win first place. <laughs> as long as we keep it's getting exciting. along. Yeah. Okay, let's describe another thing that's really, really hard to visualize. Ready? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, let's uh, let's stop there with ideas. All right. That's a lot of ideas. Yeah. Um. What have you guys been watching? 
Can I tell you what I've been watching? I'm going to go first. Yeah. Yeah, you've been going first all day. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, the new video by OK Go. You, you ruined it. <laughs> that was mine. I that's I why I went know. first. I quit. That's why I went first. Uh, I knew somebody else was going to say it. It's okay. We can both talk about that one because it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Have you seen it, Jimmy? No, no. I'm looking it up now. Okay. So this band, you know, always every single one of their videos is something that nobody else has ever done. It's always over the top, really interactive, usually one shot, like one take for the entire thing. Not always, but it just, they're crazy. So in this one, in this newest one, they did shot the whole thing in a single shot in a plane while it was oh, doing I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> the zero gravity thing. So I saw it it's, on a, CNN. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And like when you just, you watch it, it the first time it's like, Oh, that's really cool. Wow. Nobody's ever done that. And then you watch it again and you think about all the things that could go wrong at every single stage of it. Yeah. And how much it would take to reset this because they're, they're like popping balloons of paint and there's stuff flying all over the place and there's people and there are so many different things that could ruin a take and they would have to fully reset. And the whole thing is happening in a plane yeah. <laughs> that's diving, you know. And the um, for, I read an article on the making of it. And from what I understand, when that plane, plane is in that um, free fall, that only lasts, what, 30 seconds or yeah, something? Yeah, it's very short, yeah. And so what they would do is when it reaches the bottom of that free fall, they would all just hold still. And then yeah. when the plane would go back up and then drop again. And so it was, you, you wouldn't even, and it's kind of like this, it has a very like low uh, shutter speed. So it kind of has like a stop motion type feel to it. Yeah. And so you don't even see that, that where they cut out that, that The part. interesting thing though, is like you can watch, um, if you watch the balls on the floor. So at one point they open these suitcases and there's balls flying around like different colored balls and they're all over the place. And then you can tell the plane hits that thing where it has to start climbing again and the balls all fall to the floor and then they're rolling to the back, but you're paying attention to stuff in the foreground. <laughs> so you're not really thinking about the fact that now they're, the plane is climbing and then they go back and all of a sudden the balls are in there. It's, yeah. it's awesome. It's it, so good. It's, it's really well done. Yeah. And just, I love that the fact that like a band is, you know, they're, they're making videos for an album that came out like well over a year ago, but they're going above and beyond to make something visually that's, you know, like more than it needs to be to support the music. It's just for the sake of doing it. It's pretty awesome. Anyway, It's funny. I think you brought up that subject a couple of weeks ago. Did you not? In, a, in the mm, podcast? I don't know. I maybe. thought we talked about whatever that is called when the plane falls. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then like a couple days later, I see this video. I'm like, oh, that's so weird. And then Casey Neistat had a video a couple weeks ago where he was on the plane. And he was discussing how it's like a lot of people get sick because you're, you're free falling. And then you go back up and then you're free fall again. And they worked on this video for three weeks, like <sighs> practicing and getting set up. Like, could you imagine doing that for three weeks? No. <laughs> it's amazing i'm watching little pieces of it now while we talk it's insane. Cool. so that's that's my yeah. recommendation and uh yeah so that, that's gonna be mine too because i'm i'm going through my history here and i'm like eh, nothing nothing is as good as as that but um I, i'm not the biggest fan of okay go I, there's a couple songs that i like but all their videos are just over the top i just love like the creativity and the brainstorming sessions that they must have with these um, filmmakers it has to be amazing to attend right yeah because i'm sure like jimmy said earlier you throw out the ridiculous idea that can't be done but maybe that triggers something that can be done that that's got to be so fun to be in that in that room yeah yeah 
So uh, what I, I was listening to a podcast, I, I might have mentioned last week, uh, I think I mentioned Barry Katz podcast and he had on Pete Holmes, who's a funny comedian. And one thing I never knew about Pete Holmes is that he does this, this Batman mock series on college humor. Has anybody seen it? I don't think so. I think so. It, it is, I watched it the other night. I never heard of it. And so he, on collegehumor.com, which you guys are all, everybody knows college humor. You could go to that. That could be my recommendation. But specifically on college humor, look up Batman on collegehumor.com. And Pete Holmes plays Batman. And it's just a complete parody of Batman done dead seriously, but with the most absurd, ridiculous humor, you know, vulgarities, really super funny. I was in the other room cracking up laughing and Taylor comes running and she's like, I never heard you laugh so hard recently. What are you laughing at? <laughs> and it's Batman wrestling somebody. And, you know, he, I, I can't say any of the stuff he says on this thing. It's super vulgar, but super funny. So look up Pete Holmes as Batman on YouTube. This It's I'm looking at one video now. It's got 20 million hits. So I like totally like one over my head. I totally missed it. These videos are a few years old. So he's got a podcast too. You yeah. Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet, but I heard it. I heard it's pretty good. Yeah. I've never heard it either. But. Yeah. But the, he, him as Batman is absolutely hilarious. Awesome. Check cool. it out. Well, uh, before we go, I guess, um, yeah, I want to say thanks to everybody from Patreon that's supporting us. Uh, especially, we have some new patrons this week, but, uh, so especially John Cornwell, Luis Gonzalez, Sean Petty, and Jeremy White. They're our mm. top supporters. Thank you, guys. We're very gracious for that support over there. Um, so if you want to support the show and help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash making it, or you can just share the show. That's cool, too. Yes. That is cool. Yep. And if you have things that you want to talk, um, want us to talk about, you can tweet at us, at Making It Podcast. Um, oh, this is totally unimportant and unrelated, but I thought of it. Um, Instagram now will let you have multiple accounts and you can switch between accounts within the application, which, which is only interesting to me for the fact that we have an making it podcast Instagram account, but we never use it because nobody's ever logged into it because we have our oh, own. Oh. Yeah, they're so rolling now, that feature out. I don't have that feature yet. Oh, I, I have multiples and I'm waiting for it. Oh, okay, day. cool. Yeah. Well, so anyway, we'll have that. So next time, like when we're in, where are we going to be? Jimmy and I are going to be in Charleston this weekend. That's right. We'll post some pictures on the Making It podcast. And then when we're in California for Maker Fair this year, we'll post some pictures there. So yep. go ahead and follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Making It Podcast. Right on. Cool. 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 That's it for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you all very much. We'll see you next time. Later. Later.